0: Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. I will be your host, Uwe How is everyone doing? Last week of September, it's still very nice out around here. I'm having a beautiful pumpkin spice ice latte that I made myself. Oh my god, such a sugar bomb, but silk brand almond milk, pumpkin spice. What else is going on? Let's just start with something. I have been thinking about, I've been thinking back on therapy a lot because I had a couple, I've had a couple of therapists since I moved to America and I've been looking for a therapist and I'm really curious what a therapist would say about my state of mind right now. Because in the past, I had therapists for, for long enough that even when I didn't go to therapy, I could. I could look at a situation and my own decision and my own thinking about something, and I could be like, what would Dr. Huber say about this? And I could tell you what Dr. Huber would say about it. Or like, what would Tyson think about this? Those are my big two therapists that I had. The first one was Dr. Huber. I think I went to Dr. Huber's office every week for like nine months or something. It was interesting because actually Matt from last week, he has this criticism of, therapy because he thinks that the reason therapy is useless is because you only bring up, you you can only talk about what the patient brings up. So if the patient is in complete denial about something, then that can never be the topic, sort of. And in a way, I think that's a very good criticism of therapy. And my nine months that I went to Dr. Huber, I do think that that really applies because what was happening in my life, if I look back on it, big picture at that time, was that I was in this marriage that was becoming really fucked up. I was married to this lady and she was dealing with a lot of mental health issues that had always been this internal thing where she had a lot of anxiety and would feel depressed. But Or maybe it morphed from more anxiety to more depression and her way of dealing with her own depression was... During that period, she started taking it out on me, and she started verbally abusing me, like crazy. She would just I would come home from work and she would not had gotten out of she would not have gotten out of bed yet. This was like every day. I would come home at like four p m or something, and she would still be in bed, and she would just scream at me that I was a lazy piece of shit. But she was really talking about herself in this weird projected sort of way. And she would scream at me and call me a loser until I was visibly upset. And when I was visibly upset, it seemed like she was then relieved. Because then she had sort of transferred the negative emotion onto me. Like, this is the very simple way of describing how I experience, how I interpret what was happening, okay? So she would scream at me like that for like 30 minutes until I was visibly upset that she was calling me a loser and that, you know, she would just attack whatever with me, you know? Say that I was a loser for working in a restaurant, that I was a loser for trying to write a novel, that I was too old for all of those things, that my life was fucking meaningless... And then I would get upset and she would feel calm, okay? And my thing with it, I approached it with all this like sympathy and empathy. And I would be like, well, she's just depressed and I should be nice to her. And I, it's very hard for me to describe how I ended up in that situation. But I started disassociating. I started blacking out when she would do it because it seemed like I don't, didn't have a way to do anything with it. I would just like not even remember that it was happening. And then much later, I mean, it's a very long story, but much later, certain things were shoved in my face where my friends would be like, bro, there's a problem here. And I would sort of face things a little bit and it would take some time for me to bring memories back and then I was kind of realize what was happening. But it's a long story, but what I'm saying in this context here with Dr. Huber is that That never came up. (laughs) I was going to therapy every week and this was happening. Like, this was beginning to happen. And it never came up because I was just talking about, like, oh, I'm trying to write this novel. I'm kind of struggling with being productive like this. And oh, I have this job and I go to this job and my boss is shitty to me like this. And I would just talk about work. And meanwhile, there was this enormous elephant in the room that I never addressed. And that Dr. Huber had no way of magically knowing that the elephant was there. So we never talked about my marriage. <laughs> and my marriage wasn't good. So funny. Oh, man, this iced coffee is really hitting the spot. So the thing Dr. Huber was t- would talk about, though, was um, he would always say that I wasn't in touch with my anger. That's what he thought my problem was. And I thought that was so interesting because until he said that to me, I'd never really understood that anger can be a good thing. I just always had this sort of blanket understanding of anger as a negative thing. That anger is something you should not feel. It's bad to feel angry. I would describe things, situations at the restaurant where I was working where I was mistreated. And then I would describe how that gave me a lot of anxiety. And then he would be like, but you should be angry. And he'd be surprised that I wasn't angry. And then I'd be like, oh, maybe you're right. Maybe I should be angry about it. Like it'd be things like when I start, when I was working at Blue Star at the time, this like shitty diner. And um, we'd had these situations where like the owner slash general manager she was the owner, she would hire people, and she would leave. We would have situations like she would hire a bartender, and the bartender would be a drug addict, and the bart... Like, I remember there were many instances of this, but I remember this one specific one. Oh, I'm just going to go for it here. Her name was Danielle. <laughs> oh, God. And she would walk around with this pencil case, and we were never sure what her drug was, but it was some sort of mix, probably. And the pencil case had drugs in it, probably. And she would go to the bathroom with her pencil case, and she'd come back, and she would be fucked up. And she was the bartender, and as the bartender, you serve guests. But sometimes I'd be, sh- I'd show up to work, and the owner would um, text me and be like, okay, so Danielle is fucking on one today, and you have to keep her away from the guests because she's fucked up. And I'm not being paid for this, you know? Like, I'm the busser. I get paid worse than anyone in there. But she looked at me and knew that I was a grown-up and that I could keep the hair on the animal, you know? I could keep the wheels on the bus. So she'd text me and be like, keep the wheels on the bus, bro. And I would do it. I would do it. And I would multitask and manage the whole situation. And I would make sure the drinks were made, even though the bartender was fucked up. And the the owner of the restaurant cared about the restaurant a lot less than I did. And she took advantage of that. And she would do things like, it would be a Friday night in the middle of a busy service. And she'd show up on the way to the airport because she was always going on vacation. (laughs) She would take these five-week vacations all the time. She'd show up on the way to the airport and just like spitefully fire someone that she hated. Because she'd heard that they were talking shit about her. She would just fire them for talking shit about her on the spot in the middle of dinner service, and they would cry and leave. And then I'd be – there were situations where, I like, the server would be fired after having taken an order from a table before putting the order in, you know? So the order only exists on a piece of paper in the pocket of that server, and the server gets fired so in the middle of everything that the server just leaves and the order is lost so i have to go back up to all these tables and be like okay so i know your server was just over here and they took your order and everything but that server was fired and we don't know what you ordered <laughs> so i have to i have to take your order again can we do that <laughs> shit like that and the owner just she did not care she did not care and I would describe these situations and how anxious it made me. And Dr. Huber would just be like, yeah, you should be really angry with this owner because this owner is like very immature and very bad at managing and very disrespectful to you. And how she always, she always expected me to figure everything out and solve everything. I never felt mad. I just felt anxious. And I just stayed up all night and I just felt bad about myself. And I just, it just came out as anxiety. And Dr. Huber was like, you're not connected with your anger. And then I would take that, which which is what he said, and I would just sit there and I would think about the bad things people did to me. And I would try to feel anger and I I would feel nothing. Like there was nothing there. It was just like this. I don't know. For some reason, when I try to imagine it, I get this image in my mind of a parking garage with a ledge where you can just walk up to the ledge And you want to keep walking because the anger is there. The anger should be there in front of you, but you're on the third floor and there's just a ledge and there's nothing. There's no railing. There's nothing. There's just nothing in front of you. And you can't step off into the nothingness because then you'll fall three stories down and crack your head open on the pavement. Like there's nothing in front of you. I don't know. That's not a very descriptive image, but that's that's how I feel. Like That's what I see in my mind when I try to think about it. But after working on it for weeks and stuff, working on it in the sense of trying to think about people mistreating me and try to think about how that didn't make me angry, I had small breakthroughs where I would, I would get myself to feel angry and the anger would come way, way, way later. It would be like the next day I'm thinking about it and I'm drawing out a little bit of anger. And then the first time I remember This is, I I mean, I'm talking about this is the first time in my life that I actually felt angry in real time. Was at Blue Star where there was this one breakfast service. The owner is not there. She's on vacation. We had a restaurant full of people like imagine 150 people and they're all waiting for breakfast and it was like omelettes scrambles with all these super specific combinations of ingredients because we had like a menu with 25 omelettes but people would modify them and be like i want this one but no feta and the next guy I want this one with bean sprouts and this one without this and this one with avocado on it and this one with no cilantro and this one with extra salsa you know and every single ticket has seven modifications. Every plate has different kinds of toast on it. Every side is different. Just like super complicated, specific modified plates. And there's 150 people and everyone wants a unique plate of food, okay? And then there's five line cooks. And they're just pumping out these French toasts, French toasts, omelette, 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 scrambled eggs, scrambled eggs, scrambled eggs. And the window, which is where the food comes out, would just fill up with like 45 plates at the same time. And when they, when you have a layer of plates and then they just keep making omelets and we're not taking, we're not getting the plates out of there quick enough. They just sort of put the next plate on top of the plate and they would just stack them on top of there so that the bottom of each plate was just covered in sour cream from having been stacked on top of an omelet, you know? And then sometimes it would just be plates stacked like three or four high. (laughs) Oh dude, it was such chaos. And then Anyone who has worked in a real restaurant will tell you that in that situation, what you need is the person called, it's it's called being an expo. It's the expediter. The job of the expediter is to organize that and to look at those 40 plates, that window full of 40 plates and a rail full of like 50 printed tickets with orders on them and organize it all. And I remember this one time when we got in one of these situations. Now, look, we got in the, that situation that I'm describing was every Saturday and Sunday brunch, every single time. But there was one time when we get in this situation and we had this uh, kitchen manager line cook. His name is Luis, but everyone called him Oaxaco because he was from the state of Mexico. He was from this Mexican state, uh, Oaxaca, in the south. With the fun spelling, it's spelled like O-A-X-A-C-O or something. Now, Oaxaca, with the O at the end is, is a man from Oaxaca, right? And he's the kitchen manager. And he just stands there. And he's a big stoner. And he is a good line cook. He's very hardworking. But he's not very good at people. And sometimes he just sort of... Got in this weird mood where he would just want to destroy everything. So he just stood in the middle of the kitchen and just screamed at the seven servers trying to figure out what food they're looking for. And he would just scream and be like, get this fucking food out of here. Hurry up. You guys fucking suck. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Get this food out. Get this food out. Get this food out. And he would just scream like that and repeat himself. And it wasn't helpful. And all these servers are good servers. Like, we always figured it out in the end. That was the magic of it all, you know? But when Oaxaca started screaming like that, it would fuck us up. And the first time I ever remember feeling angry in real time was this one time when I saw, God damn it, what was her name? There was this horse-faced bartender that I was... She was, like, hot in a sort of horse-faced way. Um she was really tall and skinny and I definitely had a crush on her even though she had a boyfriend, but her boyfriend was like 20 years older than her and drove like a... She was from Trump country, so he drove a big truck, a big four-door flatbed truck, big old pickup truck, and she would tell me about the problems in their relationship and I'd be like, yeah, tell me more, you know, I got a little bit of a crush on you, so tell me about the problems in your relationship, lady. But... She was, she had a mind of steel and I never saw her buckle under pressure. But when Oaxaca started screaming, even her, I saw her just freeze and be totally confused and no longer know what she was looking for. And that's when I, that's what made me piss off. It was when I saw her freeze. So I just snapped and I started cussing him out. I'm just like you. Fucking suck. Shut the fuck up. We can't do our jobs when you and all everything I said was actually fairly logical, and it actually kind of made sense, and it was actually sort of like things that I to this day will sign ca- sign off on, sort of. And I remember there were all these different servers there, like like my different coworkers who are who all hated Oaxaca because he was just like this abusive, fucked up guy. And there were lots of fucked up things about him. Like there was this one story of how he like beat the shit out of his wife and the cops showed up and took him to jail. And he was in jail for a while and he couldn't afford bail. So for several days at the restaurant, the phone would just be ringing every hour. And it would be like this robocall from King County Jail in Linwood or something it would be like a collect call from jail from him because he was trying to call the restaurant and ask if the owner would post bail for him. So everyone hated him. And then I had this moment where for the first time in my life, I feel angry in real time and I'm yelling at him. And it felt good and it was like adrenaline and it felt justified. And he first wasn't, he was just taken aback by someone yelling back And it took him a moment to regroup and then he starts yelling back at me. And this sort of the thing about it that felt high stakes was that we had a restaurant full of people and they're all sitting there waiting for their food and they could all hear us. And that's the part of it that felt a little bit like afterwards, someone could tell the owner and describe it in a way that wasn't, um, beneficial to me and I might get fired. Because if you're cursing and screaming and making a huge scene like that in front of 150 guests, like, it's not good, you know? Like, you might get in trouble. And in my defense, it was like he started screaming. Like, he was screaming at the top of his lungs for us to get this fucking food out of the way and that we sucked and everything. And it's like, I was really just matching his energy. But but I screamed at him. And after that, we were sworn enemies. But... All the servers afterwards would come up to me and be like, wow, that was very nice that you did that. Like, that's exactly how I felt. Because he did shut the fuck up after that and it really helped. And then we got the food out of the window and we kind of got it going. But he really, really hated me after that. He hated me. That was kind of the beginning of the end for me over there because he was the kitchen manager and it's hard when you're sworn enemies with the kitchen manager. I tell you, it doesn't really work. And, um, The owner was very anti-marijuana. She hated weed, which was a little bit surprising because she kept hiring all these drug addicts for front of house. And back of house was a kitchen full of people where everyone smoked weed on the clock, every single one of them. And there was uh, especially a moment I remember where I was finishing up and I was was done for the day and it was like 3 p.m. or something and and I had an omelette after work and I sat there and I maybe had like a, one mimosa and then I uh, was going to go home and I and exited out the back and I passed the dumpsters and I saw him standing behind the dumpster with this like little glass pipe smoking weed and because I caught him smoking weed on the property on the clock while he had six more hours six more hours of work he got super threatening with me and he got really fucking weird, and he was like, I mean, he, this is a, this is a guy who called the restaurant from jail about 50 times, so, you know, like, the idea that he wouldn't stab me, I mean, I felt like he might stab me, okay, that's, that's how, he wasn't gonna stab me, but that's how I felt, okay. So I pass him there and he's behind the dumpster and he's smoking weed. And he, I felt like he was going to stab me. And he was like, you have to smoke this now because otherwise you're going to tell on me. That's what he said. He's like, you have to smoke this because then I know you're not going to tell her that you caught me smoking weed at work. So I smoked it, you know, under the threat of violence. I I hit Oaxaca's pipe and it wasn't a peace pipe. Whatever the opposite of a peace pipe is, you know? That's what that was. And then I uh I left and I sat on the bus and I was all stoned and I was like this sucks. I don't want to be stoned right now. This sucks. This guy fucking threatened me to smoke weed and I smoked weed when I didn't want to smoke weed. And, and that's sort of the beginning of the end for me at Blue Star, where I felt like, fuck this, man. I don't want to work at this place. This place is too dysfunctional. Now, you know, the funny thing there is that I started sending out some resumes, and I, I get a job at Sushi Capitamura, and then six, seven months later, I transition again, and I um a friend of mine, she uh, texts me and is like, D- are you looking for a job? This guy at this restaurant in... um. Queen Anne. He's looking for a guy. So I go in there and I have an interview and it's really not an interview. It's really like he kind of offers me the job right away because she had kind of vouched for me and he just needed someone and we just really, really got along. And I tell you, man, I love that man. But the job interview, it lasted a long time. It was like two hours, first of all. And then um, it's almost as if we're immediately assuming that I'm going to work there and he starts asking the chef to cook me things so I can try the food. Because like when you're a server and you start somewhere, it's important to try all the food and stuff. So he cooks me all these different dishes. The whole table fills up with food. And I'm trying everything, and it's it's really good, actually. But then, in the middle of this two-hour interview, 90 minutes in, he's like, oh, yeah, you used to work at Blue Star. You know, one guy that I had in here that was from Blue Star was Oaxaco. And he starts telling me how Oaxaco worked there and how Oaxaco is a great guy. And as an owner, I understand why you think Oaxaco is a great guy because Oaxaco will work 80 hours a week for your restaurant and he'll bleed for your restaurant. And Paul kept being like, isn't he just such a good guy? Like, wasn't he just so great to work with? Oaxaco, his food was so good. And and he just worked so hard. Like, isn't he just such an all-around great guy? <laughs> didn't you just love working with him and then all I could say about it was yeah he's a great worker and we did butt heads a little bit (laughs) I remember that's the terminology I used I was like you know me and we did butt heads a little bit we didn't really get along but we're both good workers you know and uh, yeah part of me was always feeling like oh Jesus I hope that guy doesn't come in because I hope he doesn't come into the restaurant when I'm there. I hope we don't have to have a showdown in front of this, in front of Paul, who I now really like. And honestly, I hope he never talks to Wahako and mentions me because it might not be good, you know? It might not be good. But um, that's just a little, uh, the small world of middle middling, uh, muddling uh, Seattle restaurants. You know, the thing that really made me feel good about myself, about my whole Blue Star saga, was that I decided to quit. I text the boss, the owner of Blue Star, and I tell her, I'm going to quit. I tell her, starting February 4th, I won't be available anymore. That'll be my last day. This, the next morning, she texted everyone who worked there and was like, starting February 4th, we won't be open for dinner service anymore. We'll just do lunch. We'll close every day at 3 p.m. And there are many ways to interpret that. You know, there were many things going on at the same time. The sales were going down. Maybe she wasn't making money for the evening shifts, all this stuff, you know. But my interpretation of it for me to make myself feel better, to make myself feel important, to make myself feel valued, to make myself feel loved by the universe, is that really what happened there is that I held that place together. And I was there for like two and a half years, three years. And when I told her I I couldn't work there anymore, She gave up on it because I was the glue. And you know, there's like a dark side to that where when I say I'm quitting and she says, okay, fuck it, we're closing up shop. I felt vindicated. But immediately the next feeling is like, wow, that does mean that 40% of everyone is fired. Because when you're not doing dinner shifts anymore, everyone who's dinner only gets fired. And everyone who's a mix gets half of their hours cut. And it was... I mean, it was a negative thing. You know, it was the end of an era. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, I was talking about anger and therapy and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I wonder if it's a Swedish thing, not feeling your anger. Because you could could think that and... Maybe our culture, maybe Scandinavian culture is a little bit like that. You know, that sort of cold temperament. Not a lot of showing emotions in the public space. And I mean, it's weird, but I don't remember ever seeing my parents angry. Like my parents expressed a lot of different emotions and it wasn't all good and nothing. Like I'm not even, I'm not saying it as... Like, my dad is not an emotionally evolved man. And, you know, he's got a lot of problems. But, but I never saw him angry. I can count on one hand the number of times I saw someone I was close to being really angry. I don't know. You know what stands out to me? The one, one thing that I remember, uh, my friend, I was very young. I was like maybe 11 years old or something like that. And I had this friend, Marcus Edholm. Marcus. He lived 100 yards from my house. And in first, second, third grade, fourth grade maybe, we were best friends. And um, we played a lot of video games together. He was a nerd. I was a nerd. We were really into Star Wars It's actually, this actually dates it. I was 12 years old because it was when they were about to release Star Wars Episode One. Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. That breakfast cereal in the box, they had these little gold-colored plastic figurines of all the different characters. And we were obsessed with these little plastic figurines. They were like busts, where each one had a base, and the base was always the same shape. And then there was like a bust, where you just have the chest and up, chest and up of each character. All the different characters: the Darth Maul, I guess. The I don't know Anakin Skywalker, Jar Jar Binks, and then three C three CPO, and then there was R two D two. Okay. And we loved R2-D2, me and Marcus. We loved R2-D2. And so we're both eating box and box, box after box of the cereal, right? And I get R2-D2 and he doesn't. And then I said, if I get a second one, I'll give it to you. That's what I told him. I was like, I already have an R2-D2. If I get one more, I'll give it to you because you don't have one. And then I got a second one. And then I called them on the phone, and I told them that I got a second one. And then after getting a second one, I changed my mind. (laughs) I changed my mind, and I was like, look, I had this idea where, like, if I have two and I put them, like, next to each other, it looks, like, really cool. And maybe if I get a third one, I can, like, put three of them in a row, and, like, I have three R2-D2s, and it's, like, really cool looking. So I was like, actually, I'm going to keep it. On the phone, Marcus got angry. And it's like one of the few times I remember in my life in Sweden, interacting with Swedes, Swedes that were close to me, of hearing and seeing and experiencing the anger. He got angry. I didn't give him the R2-D2 plastic figurine. And... He screamed at me he screamed at me and I remember maybe that maybe that was the beginning of the end of our friendship actually because I kind of there was something about it where I kind of feel like it took me out of the moment a little bit and I was like oh maybe we shouldn't give so many shits about these plastic Star Wars figurines and we're 12 years old now and maybe it's time to maybe it's time to start thinking about some other stuff and then you know and we kind of drifted apart, and I uh, i don't want to make it sound like I matured into something better, because period of my life that followed the nerd phase is a pretty self-destructive phase of being an um, angsty teenager. And uh, I really feel like if you're going to be an angsty teenager, you might as well just stay being a nerd, you know? But regardless, I went on to a different phase and we kind of drifted apart. But um, yeah, he got really angry with me one time, one time. I mean, that <clears throat> why I've been thinking about the anger thing is because now I have been drawing out my anger for several years and I have gotten to the point where my anger is accessible to me. Anger is available to me. And now I frequently become, become angry in real time. And I think that it's possible that that's the healthiest way to live your life, to have the emotions flow through you when they should be felt. And it's very interesting, because it's not a very Swedish way of living life. But I'm, And I I frequently feel bad and I feel like I've ruined things and I've burned bridges. And then I have people react not the way I think they're going to react. Like I have this coworker at Bob R. Sam and sometimes I get pissed off at him because he will be working there in the morning and... And at the end of his morning shift, he's supposed to set every, put everything back together and restock everything and have me show, I show up for the dinner shift and I'm supposed to have what I need to do my job. And then sometimes he just fucking bounces. And then I yell at him, I freaking yell, I get so angry with him and I yell at him and I call him a piece of shit and I blah blah, blah, blah. blah, blah, blah. And he's from Venezuela and he's got this hot South American blood. and he gets so mad at me back and he yells at me and he yells at me and he yells at me but then we're good because then he does his job and then we joke around about it a little bit later and then we're cool and and he can and i can be like look i get where you're coming from and he can be like look i'm sorry i didn't really do my job there and we both sort of acknowledge each other's perspective and we and it was okay that we were that i was angry in real time and I don't have to, and it, for some reason, the way he sees it, it's, it's a healthy thing where we flowed through the anger when the anger should be felt. It's like, you didn't fucking restock glasses for Vietnamese iced coffees. The barista station looks like shit. <laughs> and I get so mad. I get so angry. I'm like, Sam, you just want to go party. Do your job. I'm tired of doing your job for you. But um, it, there's definitely also this other thing that's a little bit analogous to AA, like um, in AA, they had this concept of emotional maturity and how uh, if you start drinking when you're 13 years old, and you, then you drink for 30 years straight, and you quit drinking when you're 43, the idea is that emotionally, developmentally, wisdom-wise, you're 13 again because all those years of belligerent drinking, they don't really count. You didn't really mature during that period. So you're kind of emotionally stunted. So then your body is 43 years old. It might even look a little bit older than that because you've been hitting it pretty hard. But in your mind and in your emotional maturity, you are 13. That's like sort of a concept that people play around with and that that feels true to some people. The point is that the anger thing, I think that there's an analogous thing with how I felt angry for the first time two and a half years ago. I felt angry in real time. Real time is really the, some, uh, the thing I have to throw in here because even before that, there would be things where I would suddenly, resentments would build up and I would get anxious and way months after the fact, I would lay awake at 3 a.m. not being able to sleep and be furious. And it would be a very unhealthy way to feel feelings. But feeling angry in real time, something that I didn't achieve until two and a half years ago when I was like 30 years old. So in a way, in terms of being, in terms of maturity, and in terms of how to handle anger, how with age we learn how to handle anger. I'm like a toddler, you know? I don't have a lot of experience with it. And that makes me kind of a South American sometimes. Sometimes I got that, sometimes I got that Italian, Italian temperament these days, you know? But, um, but that, sometimes that's nice and pure, you know? There's definitely something unhealthy in the Swedish way of um, just being a robot. All right, well, I'm out of coffee, so it sounds like we need to go to the water. Today, we're doing another citrus episode. So this first one here is a little bit weird. It's a brand called Sprig. Zero sugar, 20 milligrams of CBD from natural hemp. The flavor is just called citrus. It just says citrus flavored. And here's the weird thing. The can is pink. Pink is a surprising choice. We're going to try it out. Pretty much no smell. Yeah, grapefruit. Smells a little bit like grapefruit, which is a very good smell. Okay. That's way too sweet for my liking. It actually tastes a lot like Sprite in every way. Very lime, very sweet, like diet Sprite. If you poured this in diet Sprite in two cups, maybe I couldn't, in a blind tasting, maybe I couldn't identify which one is which. Because I like Sprite and, and um, regular Sprite I could identify compared to whatever I could identify Sprite. But diet Sprite is like Sprite that tastes a little bit off. And that's what this is. This tastes like Sprite, which is a little bit off zero sugar no artificial sweeteners isn't stevia an artificial sweetener so just because stevia is a plant matter it's not called artificial it doesn't i'm really missing the uh, cbd flavor because some of these really have that sort of hemp flavor you can tell that the cbd is from a hemp oil that sort of earthy music festival uh, hot boxing in a in a car Kind of background uh, flavor going on. I'm going to be honest and I'm going to give that a five out of 10. It's not that good. Next one California Beverages Day Trip. The brand is called Day Trip, which is a very nice name. Very nice brand name for a CBD water. You got a double entendre going. CBD infused sparkling water, tangerine, five calories. 10 milligrams of CBD, naturally flavored. Looking at this, I got some high expectations. It's a very nice-looking can. Enjoy spontaneously. That's nice. Everything about that is nice. WeAreDayTrip.com All right, let's enjoy this spontaneously. Let's enjoy this formally. No smell. Slash... 5% t- t- uh, tangerine smell just very real. Jesus. Wow, that is very surprising. Also the can is like kind of ghetto so this p- the sticker's coming off right where I'm putting my mouth. The whole thing of how these are like small companies making their own sparkling waters is there's like a a tactile haptic feedback thing here where my lip is touching a piece of plastic that's sticking out. I'm breaking it off. It's still it's still uneven, but whatever. I'll go with it. I mean, maybe that's what actual... Maybe that's just real. Maybe that's just tangerine juice. I mean, honestly, it doesn't really say tangerine juice on there or anything. But it kind of just tastes like tangerine, but very, very light. LaCroix Tangerine is one of the best LaCroix, maybe my absolute favorite LaCroix, where there's a picture of perfect HD tangerine sort of feeling to a tangerine laCroix. It's so like 4K television flavor. And this is like this is like a VHS tape, tangerine thing. But you know a VHS tape that you found at your parents' house, and it's there's something nice about it. There's something very homemade about this. It's like one of those small cassette tapes that you have to mount into a big cassette tape to play in your regular VHS player. That tastes so homemade. And then there's almost like a coconut flavor at the end. There's something about the oiliness. I'm going to go ahead and give that an 8.5. All right, next one. Physique. Physique. It's called Tropical Limon. You know, lime or lemon or whatever in Spanish. This has whey protein, natural flavors. It's got a little bit of coffee. It's got a little bit of sucralose. 20 grams of protein. Lime and lemon on the picture. So here we go. Good strong crack. Insane smell right away. The whey protein, there's something so yeasty and bready and mealy. In it. Like, how can something smell like there's a powder in my mouth? I don't know how they do it. There's something about whey protein where it just smells so powdery. I don't know about this. All right, sparkling protein water. Let's try it. Ooh, it's so sweet that my jaw is immediately hurting. Oh, immediately my mouth is covered with... There's just something about the pH value. There's something about the sweetness. I don't know what it is, but my mouth immediately feels tight. Oh, like it's covered in a tight film. Ah, uh, So some people like this, eh? Yeah. I mean, it tastes like Sprite where you've dialed up the sweetness and you've dialed up the citrus. And you've added... Mealy, mealy whey protein that isn't even... I mean, there's something about whey protein where it doesn't even mix in properly. It's not good. I'm sorry, but I have to give that a three. That's awful. Physique Tropical Limon, three out of ten. What else is going on? Um, I think I'm going to call it. And I think we should call it a brief little episode like that. (laughs) That was this week's episode of This Week in Sparkling Water, where we reviewed three citrus-flavored sparkling waters. Sprig, CBD-infused sparkling beverage. Daytrip, CBD-infused sparkling water. Tangerine and Physique sparkling protein water. Tropical Limon. One special thing here is that if you're interested in trying the Daytrip CBD-infused sparkling water from California beverages, then they've actually given us a unique promo code. So if you go to wearedaytrip.com and input the code BUBBLEBUTT, one word, all lowercase, then they'll give you a discount. You know, that's a fake promo code that I came up with in episode one. And now in episode 34 it's a real promo code. Should have made it Joakim though. The promo code should have been my name. That's what people always do. It would be it would bolster my ego more if it was my name. Is all I'm saying. The next promo code is going to be Joakim. Anyway. That brings us to our closing segment. Sparkling water. Sparkling mind. So let's see what David Phillips sent us this week.
1: There are three animals living in the forest, a fox, a rabbit, and a monkey. One day, the emperor of heaven wanted to test the animal's virtues. So he came to earth and changed his appearance to that of an old man. He said, I heard that you three are good friends, so I came a long way to meet you. Now I am very hungry. What will you offer me? Please wait here. We will come back with food soon." Then the three animals went their separate ways to find food. The fox caught a fish in the river. The monkey got fruit in the forest. But the rabbit got nothing and came back with nothing. The old man said, "'It seems that you three are not united and work alone. You two kept your promise and brought back food, but the rabbit hasn't brought back anything. The rabbit felt very sorry. Please help me to get some firewood. I want to cook some food for him, she said to the fox and the monkey. And they set the firewood on the fire. The rabbit said, sorry, I didn't fulfill my promise, but I can give myself to you. Eat me, please. And the rabbit jumped into the fire the emperor of heaven was deeply moved by the rabbit he picked up the rabbit's bones and said i was so touched to honor her i will let her go to the moon palace so that people can see her forever